You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Everybody, welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the uh, loveliest podcast on the internet. How's that? That's a good intro. That's an accurate intro. <laughs> yeah. This is episode 572, I want to say. I believe that's what it is. I'm double checking that right now because I wasn't ready. I want to say it's episode 1000, but it's not. I feel like 572 is probably accurate. It is. It is accurate. And I found that out. So we're good to go there. So far, the accuracy's on point. We'll yep. see. We'll see how long that lasts. Probably not long. Um, this week, Will selected a film for us to talk about. We're going to be talking about Atlantics, Atlantique, uh, 2019. Uh, uh, I don't think it, it didn't win the Palme d'Or, right? It won the uh, Grand, Grand Prix. I think. Yeah, the Grand Prix at Cannes in 2019 or 2020. One of the other, one of those years. And uh, directed by Matty Diop, and. Uh, this ought to be interesting. Uh, so, little. This was an interesting experience because I thought it was one thing and it turned into something else. So, we'll talk. Oh yes, yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes is the word. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Is this the same movie? <laughs> I'm sure you had the same reactions. Like, what's yeah, going? What the? Okay. We'll definitely, definitely spit on that one. Not yeah. spit. Yeah. In a in a post again, not post dated in a very dated. Youth reference way. We'll, yeah. we'll, spit we'll spit rhymes on it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, for days. <laughs> so, yeah, that is what we are doing this week. Uh, we hope everybody's doing well out there. We got some voicemail want to tackle. Actually, let me, before I forget this, we got some email too. Oh, and uh, I had forgotten about the emails and I felt bad. Get in there. Yeah, it's uh, just a couple, but I wanted to get it out there. Uh, and let folks know. I think, well, maybe it just might be one. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's see here. One from, uh, yeah, Nolan. I'll just say your first name, Nolan. Here we go. Uh, hey, GGTMC, loving the new episodes. Just sending a sincere thank you for all the great content. I great, greatly appreciate the show and can't wait for each the new one each week. 
Uh, cheers, Noel. So there you go. Um, as a thank you one. And then, of course, somebody named Andre Edu, who I don't know, uh, did send us a link for Speed uh, Cross, but it's on Netflix in the EU. But we have since. Lucky bastards. <laughs> yeah. We have since discovered that Speed Cross is pretty easy to find. It's just one of those ones that uh, got past us all these years, right? Yeah. You can't see them all. And that's one of the joys of us doing the IMDb troll while we're recording. It will catch a, <laughs> yeah. a director or an actor and we go down the wormhole or the rabbit hole on air and discover some some things that are incredible. And thank you to Andre for letting us know. We had a few other friends kind of message us through other uh, social media channels as well. So thank you to all of them. Yeah. Um, and thank you to Nolan. Uh, Nolan, that's that's awesome. We love that you love it. We love to love you. Yeah. So I uh, hope you enjoy this one. This is uh hope you enjoy everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We hope so. We hope you come for the movie talk, but what we hope you really come here to listen to is us to just kind of pontificate on things. Just chit-chat. <laughs> on life, baby. Yeah, we spit on things. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. easy. Easy. <laughs> Giving up my technique, are you? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I can, we got some voicemail too. Uh, we should, uh, you know, we getting feedback. We're getting feedback here nowadays. I, Loving know, it. Yeah. Chicken soup for the podcaster's soul. Yeah. So here we go. Let me get these uh, going here. Hang on one second. Again, when you podcasted for as many years as I have at this point, and I can say this because I'm kind of been doing it for a while now, you'd think I'd be ready by now, but I'm never ready. So anyway, it is what it is. All right. We're going to play. We got two. We got one from Jake. And one from uh, Walt. So here we go. We'll play Jake's first. Hope you can hear it. Hello, gents. This is Jacob. Uh, I think I caught what Walt had giving it to me <laughs> through the podcast airwaves. Uh, I had a quick question for you. How many movies do you rewatch in a week or a month or a year? What percentage? Ever since I got Netflix DVD, which was about 20 years ago, uh, I don't rewatch stuff hardly ever. And I'm not a big buyer of physical media either. In fact, I almost never buy any physical media, quite the opposite of Sammy, uh, because of Netflix DVD and uh, streaming services. So uh, do you rewatch stuff? And I guess as a follow-up, what kind of stuff do you rewatch? Uh, are you watching things from your youth over and over again? Or do you watch recent films multiple times? Uh, keep up the good work. And I've been uh, curious about this one for a while. Bye. Interesting question. This is the uh, the movie lovers conundrum, uh, big time. One of the big conundrums for us movie lovers is this question. So, yeah, I don't know if you want to lead on this or if uh, you want me to lead on it. Uh, oh. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll blather on about this for a minute. Great question, Jake. Hope you feel better. Lots of sleep, lots of soup, uh, <laughs> hot showers. You'll you'll be good to go. I have found that since my kids are of an age where I can show them a lot more stuff, I tend to rewatch a lot of things. Stuff like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, stuff from my youth that I loved, or even stuff, for example, that I'll talk about this week that I've caught since we've been doing this show that just didn't seem like the right time to show my kids documentaries, things like that. Now, I think that's very much because of where I'm at in my life. When my kids are older, I'm going to be just diving into new, 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 new. When I say new, new to me, 
It could be a Chaplin film. It could be anything really. But I've always loved the joy of discovery. At a restaurant, I'm I'm never someone who orders the same meal twice. I like to order different things or ask them, is there sort of signature dish or look for something kind of far flung on the menu. So I think it's just this juncture in my life. I'm watching a lot of stuff and sharing my joy of film with my sons. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my answer to this one. What about you? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I've often had this conversation with folks who love movies and stuff. And, uh, I would say I'm, I'm kind of a 50, 50 split. I, I'm, uh, I watch new things, uh, mostly watch new things, uh, with Landon really when he wants to go see something. Um, and then, um, I do watch some new things that come out on home video. Uh, but I am a collector and I am a guy who will rewatch a film. Um, and we'll rewatch it. I don't know. I'll, if I buy something on physical media, I watch everything. Uh, so if, if I end up watching that, if there's a commentary track, I'll go back and watch that. If there's special features, I'll watch all those. And then I might put it away. And then I'll come back and I'll do the same thing. So <laughs> I'm kind of notorious nice. for that. Um, but I but I will rewatch. I, I, I really don't have any trouble with it. Um, but I do. It's Again, it's one of those things. Do I feel like I'm missing anything with the new stuff? Uh, not always. Uh, do I feel like I could be watching something new and I'm watching something old? Yeah, but then again, like Will said... There's a lot of old stuff I haven't seen. So to me, that is new stuff. Exactly. So it's kind of how you just kind of look at it and stuff. But really, when it comes to films, I've, I've and it's the same way I feel about books and songs and everything that I love media-wise, I'm never going to be able to consume it all. It's just not no. going to happen. So I just accept that sometimes I'm going to waste two hours of watching a Saw movie when I could have watched something else. Um, but if that's what I wanted to do at that time, then that's what I wanted to do at that time. So you just kind of, for me, you just kind of got to accept that then just kind of yeah. move forward and not even think about it. Um, I try not to think about it too much. I mean, I'm going to see, obviously like a lot of people, I'm probably going to see Batman this weekend. That's a three hour movie. Same here. And I'm thinking to myself, I could watch two movies. <laughs> There's always that economy. That's why I don't watch a lot of TV, man, because I'm always like, Oh man, you know, this is 50 minute episodes. I could watch a whole movie and yeah. That's I'm always breaking it down in my head that way. Yeah. So it's funny you you say that. No, I th I mean I think that when I watch a television show or, you know, and I like TV, uh but I'll I'll watch a series and I'll I'll break it up quite a bit. I won't I don't uh I've never been a guy who uh blasts through a TV show. Mm -hmm. I've I've never been that that binge watching guy. I'm I'm the guy that'll watch one and then I might not come back to it for a month or two months. So I, I I'm I, because I'm afraid it'll take up all my time. <laughs> right. Well, it can. It's funny to piggyback on what you said. Just a couple of things I want to touch on. First thing before I forget was my original thought was as far as rewatching goes, um, I I find it very beneficial to rewatch stuff of substance. Hmm. Now, I don't, and not to say I don't love action films or you know, genre stuff. I, of course I do. It's the reason this show started for me was that love of, of genre films. It's where both of us kind of come from. But I've just found it beneficial, and you and I have talked about this in some of our reviews, to watch films through different eyes. Yep. Uh, to watch films, with, let's say a father-son film, for example. Mm -hmm. When I was a teenager, 
or even just watching like running on running on empty the the river phoenix from a few, from a few weeks ago right. if i had seen that when i was young i would have strongly identified with the river phoenix character uh-huh. because i was a teenager now i'm a father so i see it through the father's eyes and the son's eyes and i associate it with my children so mm. and and not even just the relationships that we have but i think sometimes just to see things through mature eyes eyes that have lived more it definitely can impact how we perceive a film and, and how it resonates with us. Yeah. And I will add to this. There's a reason why podcasters do what they do. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of podcasters, especially those of us who go back and look at old films, we do it because we want to experience those old films again or for the first time. Yes. Uh, but obviously we love movies, so we love new stuff as well. So it's it's a really interesting question because it's something I think any movie lover kind of struggles with sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. I see it. I revisit books. I revisit comics. I revisit songs. I see films the same way. So I'm not looking to consume the next big thing, and I won't see every film that comes out in 2022, but I'll see the ones I want to see. And uh, maybe I'll miss something. But I have, if I'm lucky, more years, and and I'll get that nice, pleasant surprise of something I missed out on. So that's kind of the way I look at it. It's just it, it, to each their own. Watch whatever the hell you want to watch, man. That's watch, right. Watch, watch, just watch them movies. <laughs> just yeah, the love of it, man. Whatever moves you, like you said, sometimes you want to watch Saw, and as long as that's what you're digging, who cares, man? Yeah, it's the 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 joy, the love of what you're watching. And sometimes it's just the experiment. Like when I did Saw six or eight months ago, it was just the experiment of seeing if I could get through the whole thing. I got through the original Saws, I never got through the Jigsaw film, and I never got through the uh, the Spiral film yet. Don't know if I want to. So there we go. And I made that choice. I'm not a completionist in the fact that I have to do it. I just stepped away. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We're going to play one from Walt here. Here we go. Gentlemen, it's Walt. I don't know anything about fashion, but I've seen blood and black lace at least three times. I think it makes (laughs) me an expert. Oh, there we go. Um, Your obituary for this week, Sally Kellerman. Now, I think she'd be best known for MASH. I'm going to do the uh, cult movie thing and say uh, I like Brewster McCloud a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Um, partially, that may be connected to uh, memories of the Astrodome, for which I'm nostalgic. Um, <clears throat> now, of course, I had to go and watch oh, uh, one of her greatest roles, which, of course, would be Meatballs 3, <laughs> uh, in which Kellerman plays a adult film actress yeah. who dies <laughs> and uh, has to help a... Teenage boy loses virginity in order to get into heaven. Yes. And the teenage boy, of course, is Patrick Dempsey. Uh, it's a Canadian masterpiece. Uh, thanks, guys. Have a great week. What a ill-advised uh, sequel that is in hindsight. <laughs> it's amazing when that kind of stuff happens. You know, you go back and watch. That's one of those situations I'm talking about when we talk about Jake's question. You go back and you're like, you know what? I never saw Meatballs 3. I'm going to give Meatballs 3 a shot. And then you find out it's about a dead porn star who helps a young man loses virginity so he can get into heaven what who came up with that so <laughs> amazing I, I, that's the thing sometimes when we watch stuff we're like how how did anyone green light this like yeah. or do they just not care and say here's a million bucks kid do what you want yeah well i think it's just in those cases and and i was actually just talking with troy and brad about this today via text it's that salaciousness of the of the, I think the uh, the era was just you know get them in the seats and you know sex sells and 
Uh, yeah, but Meatballs 3 is a special kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> just a weird. I mean, think about that plot. Think about trying That's to explain insane. that to your loved ones. Yeah, my that favorite movie is Meatballs 3. You know why? <laughs> anyway, uh, we want to thank you guys for the uh, voicemails. Much appreciated and the emails. Please keep them coming in. We love it. Uh, it's good to know folks are listening. We know there's folks listening, but it's good to hear your voices as well. So and we'll, we'll play them on the show. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching. Will, what you been up to? I know you watched a few things, so let's hear it. So, I didn't watch as much as um, I would have liked, but then again, I never do. <laughs> yeah, watched uh, watched Nightmare Alley. Guillermo del Toro. Oh right. yeah, 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 yeah. I even messaged you about this. I'm like, well, I gotta know. I gotta know. And at the time, yeah, you I hadn't know, finished man. yet. <laughs> There's times where the same thing with uh, yeah. One I'll talk about. Here I'm like, oh, dude, what'd you think? <laughs> so I. Th- I, I'm pretty sure I feel the same way you feel. Um, and it sort of falls in line with what I'd said. Del Toro is, a, for me, not, I don't want to say a better film historian than he is director, but I admire his his love of the art mm-hmm. and the medium, mm-hmm. sometimes more than his execution yeah. or his output. Um, it, he's got, you know, Colette and Blanchett and even Rooney Mara are... I would say probably pound for pound three of. I'm not a huge Mara fan. I, I'm. I should say, but yeah. Even if you include her, uh, you know, three of the top maybe ten working actresses. Just, I mean, real acting chops. Yeah. Um, you get Willem Dafoe. You get Ron Perlman. Um, of course, Bradley Cooper, David Strathairn. You have a tremendous, tremendous cast, and everyone's good in the films. And the film looks good, but it almost looks too good. Like it's almost that <laughs> thing that people criticize Wes Anderson for, where they yeah they talk about him doing like a I don't know, forgive the pronunciation is it diorama 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 I believe yeah I've never, I've never said it out loud I've only ever seen it in print no so so anyway I almost feel like it's like that for him where there was a level of artifice with this and I listen if you've been listening to the show long enough you know I love a handsome film yeah but and and some of the Art Deco stuff is gorgeous in this yeah but it felt like such a level of artifice that it became distracting mm-hmm. um and i just felt like the film on the whole it's two and a half hours the original is like an hour and 40 yeah i mean i could have probably read the book that both are based on <laughs> in two and a half hours well th- that brings up the interesting thing right i mean i and i and i also felt that outside of one scene in this where uh, bradley cooper's in a bathtub oh yeah this movie doesn't really feel like it's dealing with like taboo adult subjects like the original film is. The original film's dealing with infidelities and 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 this is dealing with alcoholism and things like that, but it feels so surface level in so many ways on the new one. It, yeah, it touches on things and everyone's good in the film, but it feels like quick hits on mm. a lot of the themes that permeated through the original, I think, a lot more effectively with an hour less runtime, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not a bad film, good film, but I just, yeah. I think my first reaction was it was a good film, too. But I thought, like I said, the more I've talked about it, the more I've thought about it, I'm starting to think it. I'm, I'm starting to think it's not a good film. You're less inclined. Yeah, maybe I'll get there. Yeah. Maybe I'll get there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely above a five. There's no oh, doubt. Like, yeah, for me right now, it's maybe about a... Six and a half, seven. Yeah, it's probably somewhere between five and six for me. I just don't know where. Oh, maybe I'm going to be there soon. Two weeks. Give me two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. But then again, yeah. you know, again, we talked about this in the in the voicemail section. The 
you know, five years from now, I might think it's a masterpiece. We could, we could go back and look at it. I just, I adore, um, Colette and Blanchette. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I love them. They're really I mean, good in the movie so, too. I mean, they're so good and they're such tremendous actresses. Mm-hmm. Cooper is just someone that, to be honest, as much as I admire, um, his love of acting, I just, he, he just always leaves me a little cold. Yeah. He leaves, I, I think we're, we're on the same page with Cooper. Yeah, and Mara also just leaves me go. I'm more of a Kate Mara fan. Yeah, I, I like Mara fine, but I, she's, I mean, she's not a barn burner for me. No, no. The and then the role I, to me isn't given a lot of heavy lifting to do. Right. Right. Blanchett and Colette, I think, are given a little more to work with. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so did that. William, our thirteen uh, year old son, both of our sons, Brandon and William, uh, love sushi, and um, yeah. You know, we haven't had a chance to go out because of COVID and everything to too many real great sushi places. But we'll, you know, we'll pick up sushi and we'll smash, uh, smash, you know, some uh, like a cal- like a boat, you know, the, the boat tray thing. And we get down and somewhere <laughs> along the way, I brought up uh, the documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Oh, yeah. So I, I explained it to William one night or we were maybe driving to football or something. And for about a month or so, it's kind of been like, Dad, I want to watch Jiro. And then finally, we were home on Saturday night, and I was like, "Yeah, man, let's let's put on Jiro." And this has been eleven years since this came out. And talking about what we just talked about with fathers and sons and rewatching things. Yes, I yes. have two sons. I watched this film when I had two sons, but they were like three and one. Yeah, and just a tremendous documentary has aged perfectly. It's just fantastic still, but the stuff with Jiro's. You know he's still going, man. He's ninety six now. It's crazy. Ninety six. His his oldest son's like sixty. Even he looks back on this movie as like that. That was eleven years ago. <laughs> oh no doubt. But it's. I think it's such a the film. We talked about this on a review, like year end show, but it does a great job of showing his life work as art um, quite wonderfully and the tremendous dedication to his craft and his commitment to excellence that I dropped Jiro's name when I was talking to William about sports and, and dedication, right? That, anything in life, the dedication to pursue excellence unwaveringly day in and day out is incredible. Now, buyer beware, because that's going to leave some other things in your life getting a short shrift. But, and, you know, I would have made a few different choices. I would have been content to maybe be a good sushi guy and Sushi chef and, and you know, be some of the time with my sons. But he's also from a, a generation that was growing up in World War II. And, yeah. you know, anyway, great documentary, aged wonderfully. So that was cool. You know, it's cool to me. My kids are so far ahead of where I was at their age. I mean, I was curious. But the fact that we can throw on a, a documentary about a Japanese sushi maker and them just being grossed is, it's heartwarming for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was another documentary. Uh, it's a Showtime documentary. It's Attica about the the very infamous and historic prison riot. Yeah, I haven't got to this uh, one. Yet. This one's on my list, but I haven't got to it yet. Yeah, this is good, um, but it feels like a Showtime documentary. It, it's a lot of talking head stuff. They got a lot of archival footage. I feel like it's done in a very workman way, and they're trying to get as much sort of archive stuff out there and and it was just an incredible moment in time but i don't know i feel like in better hands it it could have really been even more than it was um but it's it's a it's a good documentary 
you know, like six and a half territory. But I think a lot of that has to do with the strength of the subject matter mm. as opposed to the direction. Uh, finally, uh, the last film I watched, I just got this one under the buzzer or before the buzzer went off tonight. Yeah. I think we both did that tonight. Oh, yeah, we did. Now, this is one I was inspired by you. And I want to ask you something. When you, what do you look for in a horror movie, Sammy? <laughs> At this point in the game, Will, since you asked, um, <laughs> I look for it to be well shot. I look for it to be violent, probably. Yep. And yeah, after all, it is a horror movie. Yeah. I don't really care if it makes sense or not, but I like for it to make some sense. Sure. Um, but that's all I want. I really don't want anything fancy. And I like, at this point in, my, in, in the age I am now, I like I like style a little bit more than I used to, probably. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I Probably when I was younger, I would have liked stuff to be more you know i wasn't i wasn't the biggest fan of style when i was younger as far as filmmaking goes and as i've gotten older i've come to really appreciate style with stuff we've talked about too you know stuff that we've recorded there's one film in particular japanese film i won't mention now that we've recorded we haven't released yet but Mm. i've come to appreciate style more as i've gotten older right right well I'm happy to tell you that the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre has all those things in spades you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I loved this film. That's good. That's good. Again, I, 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 that's why I told you. I said I'd, I'd give it a watch because I know you've seen worse films. And I was like, oh man. I was like, you're not. I mean, I, I know what you watch, and I know what you've watched, and I know what you like because I've talked to you for years now. And I, even when I watched it, and that's why I didn't say much on the air the other day because I was like, I'm not going to. Roy, Roy. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to, you, you know, go ahead and watch it because it's 80 minutes of your life and it's not, it's not a bad movie. It's not as bad a movie as people are making it out to be. Some, as some people, I shouldn't say everybody because there are folks out there. Yeah. There's folks out there defending it. Um, I think the further I get away from it, the less sense it makes, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> as you said, it's a horror movie. So I, full disclosure, I watched this while I was making a new recipe, like our kitchen's kind of open concept, the TV's in the living room, it's all right there. So I didn't sit like in a theater or just undivided attention. Now I was paying attention, the volume was turned up and, you know, so I'm not going to say that um, someone couldn't debate me on certain things, but I was so pleasantly surprised with this. The poster itself is an amazing poster. I love the poster. Yeah. This oh. has a style to burn. That whole scene is great. The uh, sunflower oh, scene. Yeah, the sunflower scene. So great. good. So good. And the I, the kills are good. I mean, oh, they're good. The kills are so brutal. They're so good. The effects are great. It's a violent, punishing film. I think some people are saying, oh, the cast are not very likable. To me, I think the cast is perfectly likable as far as a horror film cast. The film touches on, I think this, this film has more to say than people are giving it credit for. Um, again, I was watching this while I was making dinner, so, you know, uh, take mileage may vary, but I just felt like the way it looks at the disenchantment and the disconnect and the divide between uh, the classes, and this evokes a strong sense of what things like Deliverance did. I'm not saying it's as masterful a film as Deliverance, but that that weird mistrust between classes and the urban and the mm. rural. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
gentrification. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a heavy part of this film is gentrification, and and the specter of and the weight that victims carry, mm-hmm. right? The PTSD. I, again, I'm not saying it's a profound um, mediate meditation on any of these things, but it touches on them, and it's a horror film, so it doesn't need to to be deep on any of those things. Yeah. It's a very stylish film. The kills are great. It's fun. It's punchy. It's 81 minutes long. Yeah. High, high. If I was going to do a top thirty, man, I'd throw this in like the twenty-one to thirty. Just, I really loved it. It was yeah. so fun. Yeah. And, I, and listen, everyone that watched the new Halloween sequel, this is far better. This is far superior in my books. And I saw that one in the theater. Oh, Halloween Kills. Is, yeah, yeah. That was so willfully stupid. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoy that one because uh, of because of what it is. <laughs> well, hey, listen, me too. But at the same time, to me, like this is getting shit on left and right, and people are, oh, that's a fun horror film. It's rum. This is like this is a fun romp. It's what a horror film should yeah. be. It's mean spirited. The end, you know, it's coming, and it's still more vicious and nasty than you than you could have expected. Yeah, I think it's interesting though. You know, the, this and maybe to a lesser degree, Halloween Kills. But certainly these horror films, these big franchises, they're, I don't know if it's coming out of the, you know, you can say this and it sounds like we're highfalutin film critics here, but I don't know if we're coming out of the Trump era or what we're going into or what, but the violence is really kicking up a notch uh, these last couple of years. Violence and the mistrust. Yeah, it's really kicked up a lot. And uh, I'm okay with that because I think that's what the French new wave of horror brought. In the nineties, the unrest, right? the unrest, yeah. the riots, the racial tension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head because to me, this does feel like a byproduct of an America that is. There's a lot of mistrust between classes and races, um, in America right now and around the world. Yeah, you know, there's a even real that, deep divide. Even that Candyman remake was pretty violent and nasty. I, so. I've been meaning to see that, but man, this is violent in the best possible way, and. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you you hit the nail on the head. And, and I mean, listen. I think our buddy Matsuzaka said this in his review because I always go to see what other friends have have said about a film. He said, "Look, for the ninth entry in a horror franchise, you could do a lot worse." Yeah, Jesus, yes. I, yeah. I would put this like maybe a bronze in the in the. I don't know. I mean, I could see I, that. I could see that. I mean, I, it, to me, I mean, the only th- I like Leatherface Part Three. I don't even know if you've ever seen Part Three. So I haven't, and I meant to rectify that. Yeah, I showed, I showed the kids part two like three or four months ago, and I was kind of wanting more saw and uh, more chainsaw. That it's is. very neck and neck though for me with uh, Texas Chainsaw Next Generation. So I the last week I talked about it, I said it was the fifth best chainsaw yeah, which movie. Which is still hey, which is still yeah. I mean, it's right in the middle. It's right in the middle of yeah, a right nine or middle. ten inch film series. But or no, 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 no. It would yet yeah, it would still be the fifth best because what occurred to me. I would probably say, I think last week I might have said one, two, three, and then the remake that Michael Bay produced. But I think I would go one, two, remake Michael Bay produced. Now, as time's going on, I don't know. It's close between three, the next generation, and this reboot here. Um, because, again, I've had time to process it. And I I don't know if I liked it the first time, but a couple weeks have gone by. And the more the weeks go by... The more I think about the kills and the cinematography. And this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gorgeously shot. I yeah. mean, it's really well shot. Yeah. So it's 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 got some staying power. I think it's I think it's a little bit more than folks give it credit for. It's mind boggling to me. This is a two point one on letterbox. Like yeah. this is this looks like 
Walter Hill Streets of Fire. There's neon and and not in like a postmodern kind of like overly kind of synthwave way. Like it, it it's just a good looking film, and the cast isn't your typical Ken and Barbie dolls, right? Like I think there's a real um, yeah uh, deliberate. Uh, decisions made with casting. Like, I was stunned to see it's got Elsie Fisher is the sister in this, who was the lead in eighth grade, which I loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so. and it's, of course, it's produced and written by Fetty Alvarez. And, yeah. And it, it, again, it's it's pretty well shot. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think as time goes on, I think this thing will age well, believe it or not. I I agree with you. I will I will absolutely rep for this one. So good cool. on you. I was cool. listening to coming home, listen to Sammy say some things that in hindsight were coy Roy. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm making dinner. I'm going to pop this on and yeah. surprise him and give him some love. For <laughs> yeah. this well, night. I mean, like I said, I, at the time when I first saw it, it was still kind of fresh and raw. I think, you know, your real opinion of a film comes much later. Mm-hmm. And again, I would watch it again. I would, that, that's always a sign for me that I must've liked something about it. Cause I would watch it again. Yeah. But that's it, dude. I just, you know what? It wasn't much, but I had a few things I wanted to say there. So what have you watched? I checked out a couple things. Uh, I had a good week, really. I checked out... Uh, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> My daughter just slammed in here. I checked out uh, Jurassic World. She's got balloons, so no telling what might happen in the background here. Oh, uh, oh there we go. The balloon in the face. There. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that sound or not. <laughs> but uh, uh, checked out Jurassic World, the uh, or, uh, Fallen Kingdom, the uh, last one. Um, me and Landon did. Uh, he wanted to get caught up. Thank you, dear. For that the was a balloon. yeah, that was. I hope it was a balloon too. Might need to go see my proctologist. The um, <laughs> the uh, it's time for that uh, you know fifty year old colonoscopy a year early. <laughs> but uh, the uh, we checked it out to kind of get caught up for Dominion that comes out in the summer and stuff. And Landon just enjoyed these. I, I got to be honest with you, I have too. Kind of going back and revisiting these. I didn't check out any of these new ones. These Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. This one wasn't as good. I would say this is probably the weakest of all the Jurassic Park films. Okay, you're going to you're going to bed. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Can you give me a hug here? Oh, watch out. You okay? You bump your head. You gotta be careful. No. Okay. I tried to get a kiss. She said no. There we go. Podcasting. You get to hear my daughter pick on me. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, I would say this is the weakest of the bunch, but I still thought it was it was okay. It was decent. It was uh, entertaining. Landon and I had a pretty good time watching it. Um, checked out, uh, the last matinee. So this is a horror film from, uh, Uruguay. Uh, I know you're a shutter person. This is on shutter or was, uh, Randy was talking about it not too long ago and it was kind of coming up and stuff. And I was just kind of like, well, I don't know what it is, but it looks like it's yellow. And that's what it kind of is. It's kind of a modern day yellow. It gets a little caught up in its violence a little too much. And maybe a little bit of it's kind of comic bits, uh, maybe a little too much for me. It goes a little over the top, but I gotta say, it's it's very much it's it's a giallo set in a movie theater. So you got these uh, this girl who's taking over for her dad as a projectionist. She wants him to go home and get some oh, rest. I saw this. I oh, saw you, this. You saw the yeah. film? Yeah. 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 And I, it's it's pretty good. I mean, I, I had a good time with it. I was entertained, um, but I just thought like toward the end it goes like one step too far. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, okay, do we really need that? But I guess we did, and. Uh, but overall, I thought it was pretty fun, uh, yeah. well shot, and kind of interesting. Um, but you know, not bad for a low budget horror film. I'll say that. No, no, absolutely. 
Um, okay, so I checked out a few things that uh, I need to talk about here. Old Henry. This is the Western with Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, yes. Uh, I've been putting this one off for a while. Uh, some folks have said they loved it. Some folks said, meh, you know, whatever. So, you know, I don't read... Uh, even if somebody even if everybody universally hates something i'll watch it i'm I'm just that guy i'm just gonna i'm gonna form my own opinion no matter what so uh sometimes i will steer clear of things uh if certain people if if it's kind of unanimous but most of the time i'll still eventually check it out anyway this kind of came up and i was like i'm gonna watch this i'm gonna sit down and watch this right now i got time i'm gonna watch a western a new western and i'm just gonna do it and man i loved this movie uh it's really good it's really, really simple, and it's a really good example of just taking good actors, good character actors too, like Stephen Dorff, and putting them in these roles. And Stephen Dorff's the heavy in this, and man, he is great in this movie. Love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dorff doesn't get enough credit. He, he works a lot, I agree. first of all. I think he's got, almost got 200 credits at this point. He's the same age as me. So he works wow. a lot. So there's a lot of – there's a lot of – empty calories in that filmography no doubt yeah but the guy does the he, he does the work he does the films and every now and then he'll come on and you'll see him in something you'll be like why doesn't this guy work more <laughs> and you'll think to yourself you. he does work more he just doesn't work in big films and i don't know if it's not because i don't know if it's because he's difficult i've heard he's difficult and and things like that and of course he does run his mouth off quite a bit mm-hmm. uh in interviews and stuff um but He's really, really good as the heavy in this. Tim Blake Nelson is really, really great as the old Henry character. This movie has a major, major twist in it that I will not give away. Uh, that compl- that like sent chills up my spine. Really? Yeah, and it it's so simple, and it's so well choreographed, and I'm like, wow, it happened, and I was like, there it is. I should have seen it coming, but I didn't, and there it was. Uh, so anyway, less said about it, the better. I highly recommend, as a Western fan, everybody check this one out. It's well worth your time. It's not a long movie. It's an hour and a half. Uh, really solid. Really solid. Very simple Western. So if you're in the mood for something simple, small, and let me tell you, violent. This thing is nasty. <laughs> what uh, what um, medium did you see this video? So I recorded this off TV. Okay. It was on... Um, I don't look at our direct TV much. My wife is the TV person. So it was mine. Yeah. But I'll just, I'll kind of every now and then I'll kind of, if I'm bored, I'll skim through and see what's coming on, uh, some movie channel or something that we might have. And, uh, I saw old Henry on there. Well, first I saw the dry with Eric Bannon. I was like, well, I want to see that. So I'm going to record that. Uh, but I saw old Henry after that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to watch old Henry first. So I recorded that. And then the next night I came, sat down and was like, I'm just going to go ahead and watch old Henry. And uh, that's how I watched it. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. I don't know if it'll pop up on anything. It seems like the kind of film that'll pop up on Canopy at some point or something. But it's a big recommend for me. Big, big, big recommend for me. So Wow. Check it like, out. Are we talking like... Like I'm talking if we did a top 10 last year, it would be in there. Okay. So there you okay. go. It was it was one of the 10 best films from 2021. I have no doubt. <laughs> in, nice. my, in my mind. Uh, and then I watched another film that... Uh, that I want to get get out uh, that uh, I don't think is getting enough love. It's not as great as Old Henry, but it is really, really, really good. It stars Tim Roth and uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. It's called uh, Sundown. It's a little small film. Um, uh, I had heard some reviews about it, about the spiraling thing. And again, this movie has a twist to it. And 
it's good to see Tim Roth in the lead. I like Tim Roth a lot. I think we all do our generation yep. because he's he's very important to the independent cinema scene of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really good movie, um, but this movie will frustrate you for a little bit, and uh, you won't know why, and then you'll find out why, and it'll be it's an interesting experience. And again, both of those films, Old Henry and this, are interesting looks at how film can still be really powerful and not be big. It doesn't have to be big. Right. It's all about the construction of the story and just how simple the story is. If you see either one of these films, you'll say to yourself, wow, that is, I mean, that is a one sentence plot. And yet these filmmakers do a great job of telling these stories. Uh, and this one's, this one's pretty great. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I, I loved it. I, I don't, didn't love it as much as old Henry, but I loved it. So, Another big recommend for me. And I love Gainsbourg as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's really good in it, as she always is. Uh, she's always crying and everything. I don't, <laughs> except, <laughs> except in Antichrist. Yeah, she's making us cry in she, Antichrist. Yeah, she <laughs> does no crying. Yeah. Oh, there's some liquids being... There uh, are liquids <laughs> being shed or... <laughs> yes. Um, she's making members cry. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, that, that movie. Good Lord. <laughs> Uh, finally, I finished up with one I got in just under the wire. You had asked me about it today, during the day, or early this morning. Uh, Last Night in Soho, this is Edgar Wright's new film. Yeah. Um, I didn't really jump on this one because even though I probably like Edgar Wright more than you do, I yes. don't. I wouldn't say that I love him. He's not a filmmaker that, oh, I got to see the next Edgar Wright. Like, I didn't even see Baby Driver. I didn't even have any interest. In some, some people swear by it. Some people love it. And I've seen the opening scene because Troy's shown me, and that looked great. But it still did not make me want to watch that movie. Too precious for its own good. Yeah. So I just never have got around to it. And then, of course, I've seen his trilogy. And I, I might be all I've seen. I, 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 I'm trying to think if there's something else by Edgar Wright I've seen. But I don't know if there is. Other than Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. and Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and World's End. That would be that trilogy. You've also seen Scott Pilgrim. I've seen Scott Pilgrim. I didn't like Scott Pilgrim, but that wasn't because of right. It was just because I didn't like the story itself. Yep. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of that one. Um, that would be one that would be interesting to revisit now because I despised it, it so much back then. And I wonder, because I really don't despise anything, um, I wonder if it was just a gut reaction to something. If I revisit it, it might have a different experience. So. Which is crazy because it was my number one film of the yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. The year it came out, which is crazy. <laughs> and you and I are... Usually not that far apart on anything. Yeah, that one just spoke to you, and it just didn't speak to me at the time. And it's held up well. Like, I should say on a rewatch, watched it with the kids. They love it. Braden especially. He watched it like three or four times. Yeah. And then I think, like I said, I didn't watch Baby Driver. It seems like there was another one in there. We're not. We're missing somewhere. But, Probably. Um, but, you know, Edgar Wright, kind of like Guillermo del Toro. We just kind of talked about this. Yes. He's a guy that I really, really like to listen to talk. He loves movies, and I like listening to him talk about movies. Um, but to a lesser degree, as a filmmaker, I don't always love his movies. I'd say I like most of them. I don't know if I love any of them. Um, I'm a, I don't mind the trilogy so much, uh, or at least the Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead. I don't love at the world's end that much, although I do think it's quite bizarre by the time it gets to the end. Um, I'm looking here now to see, because I just got to know. As, uh, we did the Sparks Brother documentary, which I haven't seen that yet. So I'll check that out at some point. I'm not a big Sparks fan, but I'll check it out at some point. I'm looking to see, man. I guess there's nothing else that he did. He did Scott Pilgrim, The World's End. Then he did Baby Driver. Yeah, and then he did Soho. So there you go. Wow. 
Seems like he would. It seems like there was something missing in there, but there is not. Um. Anyway, back to Soho. I liked Soho, but only so-so. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a lot like every Edgar, Edgar Wright for, film for me. It looks good. It knows what it's doing, but it just seems so lost in the way it's trying to get its story across. Now, I had seen interviews with him on Criterion talking about movies and, and other things about how it's a movie about the dangers of nostalgia. And so I thought, okay, he's the same age as me. He's a year younger than me. He knows what I'm talking about when I talk about the dangers of nostalgia and how you can get caught up in that and your own life can kind of just go by without you even realizing that, you know, you're caught up in the past and your whole life just kind of passes you by. Mm-hmm. That's not what his idea of the dangers of nostalgia is. I mean, literally in this, the dangers of nostalgia are the past. So that's not really an original concept. It is very Giallo-esque in some ways, but only in like the last 20 minutes of the movie. For the majority of the runtime, and this movie's long for what it is. It's an hour and 50-something minutes. Um, it's really about sanity. And for me, you got to have a really master filmmaker for that to work because you got to keep me caught up and you got to keep me interested in the character. And I just, even though I think the lead actress does a really good job, Thomasin McKenzie, I think so her name, I think she's really good in the movie. She's a, she's a unique kind of beauty. She's more different than kind of kind of a mousy voice. Very, very interesting. Very interesting kind of a diminutive kind of small person. It seems like um, not in a bad way. I'm just saying she just seems no, like no. this little like you know this little person caught up in this big city. So she's cast well and she does a really good job. Uh, and everybody in the movie's good for what they have to do. The problem is, I think about halfway through, I stopped caring. <laughs> Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, and that's the same feeling I had with The World's End, which had characters I was more familiar with, or at least actors I was more familiar with. I had that same problem. I stopped caring. And that was the same problem I had with Scott Pilgrim almost from the get-go. I stopped caring. So for whatever reason, Edgar Wright's films are they're really just, I mean, like I said, I like them. Uh, but would I watch Soho again? No. No, no. No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. No, no. Uh, we don't talk about Soho, as they say in Encanto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't talk about Soho. But uh, no, seriously, I, I mean, I, I would not. Uh, so there, here's here's an example of something to kind of go back to Jake's thing. Here's an example of something I liked that because of the style and the way it's shot, and it looks it looks gorgeous, by the way. Uh, but I won't revisit it now. Now, if somebody comes over, if you came in and you said, you know what, Rick, I, I really want to watch Soho. I've come to the conclusion I want to see this. Well, I'd watch it with you, mm-hmm. but I'll never watch it again by myself. So there, there's there's that. So I don't know what that says. All I'll say is if you like Edgar Wright films, you'll probably like this. If you don't like Edgar Wright films, you probably won't like this. That's the best. I know that's a cheat, but that's the best answer I can give you. In the words of Randy Jackson, it's a no for me, dog. Yeah. I don't think you're missing anything. So that I'll I don't say that think too. I am either. And, and I just... Yeah, he's a filmmaker that I I love Del Toro's love of film and kind of caretaker, you know, film enthusiast more than I love Edgar Wright's. And it just, yeah, I, I there was part of me that was like, oh, yeah, Jello. And then I just felt like, no, you know what? There's a million and one other films I still have to see. So, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Understood. I was curious, man. I was curious like you were. 
Yeah, no, I understand. Totally, uh, totally understand. I was too, and I was like, oh, well, I watch it. Well, and I watch it, and finally, I just said, you know what? I'm going to hit play. I'm going to go check it out. And the um, first 20 minutes or so, I'm really down for it. You know, it starts out strong, but it just kind of wavers for me, and it's never really kind of captured me again. If you had have said, you know, you got to see it, that would have been the only thing that would have convinced me. Well, even if I would have thought it was okay, like I did last week with texas chainsaw massacre but still told you to see it yep that means at least i saw some value in it this yes i can just i can just say you know us talking as friends although we were recording this conversation and putting it out there for other people to listen to i can just say i know your taste and i just don't think this is going to work for you at all no but then again will you surprise me you did with scott pilgrim so who knows (laughs) okay who knows very true but I would say don't. I would say don't waste your time. Okay. <laughs> but Do definitely. You know but I would. De- I would definitely tell you to check out Sundown, and I would definitely tell you to check out Old Henry. So there you oh, go. Oh, I will be. <laughs> I will be. Yeah, there you go. All right, we're gonna take a short break. That was a long intro for us, kind of like the old yes. days. Yes. We'll come back and talk about Atlantics. I don't know how much we're gonna be able to talk about this movie anyway, because there's a lot we could spoil. So this review may be shorter than our intro, but that is what it is. But we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Is the power of the one. It's the power of the one. Uh, you know this song is just because you can lean on me. Let your mind be free of me. Night shall not hold out. But I need the phone, baby. I don't know if if that sounds like a Bootsy Collins song or not, but <laughs> it always has for me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, George Benson, William Singers, and Bootsy Collins there a little, kind of going back in time a little bit. Sounds like that is yeah. It's good. I recommend the, that Bootsy Collins that new album. It's pretty good. He's got to be seventy something. Yeah, he's getting up right? there, man. Yeah, he's getting up there. He or sixty something at least. Good yeah. for him. Good for George Benson. I'll, I got to say this. I love George Benson. I don't want to um, talk ill about the man, but George, you were a handsome man. You didn't need all that plastic surgery. So, yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Everybody falls victim to that. It seems. I was just talking about that with Boz Lerman last week, right? I mean, that's right. You have to wonder when do people realize that they don't look anything like a human being. (laughs) No, it's too bad. Like I said, George Benson was always a handsome man. Yeah, he looked like a guy. I don't yep. know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Atlantics, uh, also known as Atlantique from uh, 2019, Matty Diop. Uh, this is a, as we said, the Grand Prix winner, uh, which is a jury prize, I believe, at Cannes. Yep. Um, the year came out. The stars, well, a bunch of people you probably don't know because I don't know them. No, nope, uh, but we can. Uh, yeah, we'll say a few name names. Them. We got uh, Ada here, played by 
I'm going to say May. Is it May? May. 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 Benita. Benita. Sane. San. Sane. Maybe. Sane. Sane. With your Senegalese names. We're going to really butcher these, buddy. Let me tell you. This is a minefield. Yeah. Amando Mbao. Uh, Amadou Mbao. Amadou Mbao. There we go. I sound like I just, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Traore, maybe? Traore? Yeah, these are. Soliman. Soliman. I can say Soliman. Yeah, Yeah, Soliman. I can say that. And a few other actors. I mean, this is really a a minefield for anybody who really wants to, uh, who doesn't speak uh, Senegalese or even French, which is a pretty common language in Senegal, from what I understand. Um, All right. So we'll pick this one. And uh, I remember reading about it because I read a lot of, uh, you know, movie media and things like that. And uh, I thought, well, I'll check that out at some point in time. But then it just kind of disappeared. That's so, so many movies we read about and hear about and stuff. You know, they, they disappear into the ether until we kind of come across them by accident sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd forgotten all about this one. Uh, but I thought, oh, I'll put it on the list. I'll right, watch it at some point in time. And then, of course, here comes Will wanting to do these certain kinds of films for the month of February. And he brings this one up. He had picked a couple other films for those who don't know behind the scenes, he had picked some other stuff, but then he kind of came back around and gave me a couple different choices. And I was really happy because I was like, well, I want to see this one. Um, and I wanted to see it two or two or three years ago. Um, uh, but of course it wasn't going to happen. Uh, uh, the tagline for this movie is every love story is a ghost story. So that's a pretty good tagline for when you see this movie, because I got to tell you, uh, and I'll lead on this because Will picked it, but I, I got to tell you, going into this movie, I had no idea what to expect, and and the movie really doesn't uh, hold your hand uh, in the no. beginning. And honestly, I don't think the movie holds your hand at all. I think uh, this is one of those kind of meditative films we kind of watch, these meditative uh, joints that we sometimes watch on the show mm-hmm. uh, that you and I can be fans of, but sometimes we aren't fans of. But I think for this, for the most part, this one worked for me. Um, Although I will say there's some things I don't understand and I wonder if it's folk horror related or something to do with Senegalese culture. Culture, Culturally, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I'm not going to give anything away here because I have to admit that I was shocked, uh, pretty much shocked, at a certain development in this film. Like I, I, saw, oh, yeah. I, I had no idea it was coming <clears throat> and <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know how to talk about it without talking about it, but it, I, I I assume Will had the same reaction because yeah. you're kind of going along and this is a love story. This is a story of a... So evidently in, in this portion, at least, of Senegal, there's still arranged marriages. And uh, Ada is kind of set up to marry a uh, a wealthy younger man. He seems like a nice guy, but because uh, he doesn't do anything that makes us think he's a bad guy. Um, no, he's not. He's not painted as a black hat at all, right? No, like, no, no, no. It's a very, it's a very human character. He might be a little selfish. He might have money. He might be a little bit think he's better than somebody else. But he's a human being. He doesn't do anything uh, too outlandish. He is a little mustache twirling or anything. Yeah, yeah. He is a little maybe perhaps uh, man child like at at some point in the film when he sees yeah. her more as a property than as a uh, something else. But again, this is a cultural thing, so I'm not going to judge him for that because cultural initiatives whether we like them or not sometimes they stick around for years decades maybe forever um not really much you can do about it the cultures either grow out of them or they they stay in them but i also know in senegal that uh um polygamy is still a thing there as well uh so a man can have multiple wives and 
you know, they, they kind of cap it at four, from what I understand. Did a little bit of research. Uh, I'll just be honest with you, being a married man, one's enough. Um, the, the, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard work. Being married is hard work. Yeah, so Maddie Diop, the name sounded familiar. Um, I know an actress named Anna Diop, who's in the Titans TV show, the Warner Brothers does. And But Maddie Diop, I kept thinking, man, where have I seen that name before? And then I looked at her filmography, and she was... Uh, she's an actress as well. So she was the prostitute in a film called Simon Killer, which got a little bit of buzz. I remember Simon Killer. Yeah, it got a little bit of buzz back in the day. The film's older than I, I, I want to even explain at this point. I, I couldn't believe how old that film was, too. Yeah. And I remembered her in it because I looked at her picture when I looked up who directed the film and everything else. I'm like, yeah, I know this Maddie Diop. Where do I know her from? All I can think of is I know her from Simon Killer, which I saw some time ago. But this is, uh, I think, her first feature-length film. And it's a pretty assured and pretty well-made film. It really puts you in this countryside of Senegal where they're building this very modern building in the middle of this very, what seems like old and maybe more primal city. Certainly the buildings are much older and there's a lot of poverty around. People are walking through uh, dumps, uh, trash bins and stuff to get to clubs. They're calling them clubs, but they really just seem like little beach enclaves of some sort. Um, but there are lights and music and drinks. So, but again, it's a cultural thing. So you can kind of sense the overall potential poverty here and why Ada would want to, or why her family too, would want her to marry into money for comforts, right? Absolutely. Um, stuff they can't offer her and it kind of gets going with that story, but we find out that she's in love. She, she, she likes the husband she's going to marry. She gets along with him fine. I wouldn't say she's in love with him, but she is passionately in love with a young man named Suleiman. Suleiman. Mm-hmm. And he works really hard, and uh, he works for this boss who's very greedy, doesn't offer him any money for all the hard work he does. And like a lot of refugees or people trying to get away from countries and things like that, one night he just takes off on a boat with a bunch of other guys. He's going yeah, to – go ahead. So I was going to say that. So, yeah, just to, to further illustrate that. So for, I guess, three or four months, him and these other workers, uh, and this sort of thing happens all the time, which is the weird thing where this film does pivot, not to get too far ahead, is it shifts from sort of a very clear-eyed, uh, almost like a uh, like a neo-realist look at uh, an area and, and migrant workers or, or workers that you know are coming somewhere and they get their, their passports held and they they're forced to work and these guys haven't been paid in four months yeah and that's kind of what the film opens with is this incredible futuristic tower plopped in the middle of a, a very impoverished country yeah and these young men probably anywhere from 16 to about 25 years old are just trying to get paid uh-huh. and they they don't and like you said they they leave. They, they very abruptly uh, leave on a boat to Spain for uh, presumably greener pastures. Greener pastures, uh, steady paychecks, um, a life. Paychecks. Yeah, a life. life. Yeah, right. Survival. I mean, it's something some folks deal with in the states and probably in Canada as well, but not nearly at this level, potentially. And I'm sure other countries it's even worse mm-hmm. uh, because I don't know if there's any natural industry in Senegal. I, I don't know if there is. I, I didn't do enough research on Senegal. I do know uh, personally a Senegalese person. I have a friend who's Senegalese. Um, and uh, his story to me was well, he used to drive a cab there. And uh, 
he realized when he had children that, you know, every time he would drive up and down the streets, he would see probably three or four new dead bodies every day. Mm-hmm. And he thought to himself, I don't think I want to raise my kids here. And so he came to America. <laughs> oh, wow. I Just in the time, I won't pretend to have known this, but oil, fish, gold, phosphate. So, they, so natural resources. Not, yeah, natural resources. But again, there's um, price to be paid for getting those natural resources, right? Yes, so, yes. There, always, there always is. Somebody's, yeah. <laughs> there always is a price to be paid for natural resources, uh, let me tell you. But um, yeah, that, that gentleman, friend of mine, he, he, he told me that story. And he's like, it's not that where I come from is bad. It's just impoverished and it's desperate and it's poor. And, you know, America is seen from other countries as this place of fortune and opportunity right Mm -hmm. um not everybody sees us as the bad guy they see us as a chance you know to get away from some of the things um so um he's got a great story again i won't share it on here because he would probably kill me if he knew i was talking about him on (laughs) (laughs) he's a great guy but he he's kind of private but he always told me that story and he always told me that was that was the thing to always remember that he just wanted to take care of his kids and he's got lots of kids he just wanted to take care of his kids get away from all that so um this, I don't know what I could compare this film to, to even talk about it in the, in much of regard because it's kind of like, it's kind of like a Vim Vendors film a little bit, maybe little vendors, little Peter Weir, man. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little Peter Weir. Well, yeah. Now that I think about it, now that there's an element to it, there is certainly an element. It's very, yeah. There, yeah, there's a certain Peter Weir film that this kind of <laughs> there's a there's a there's a Peter Weirness <laughs> to uh which is weird to say because it sounds like I'm saying Peter awareness. But there's a yeah. Peter awareness of this movie. Um so every now and then we'll review a film and I can talk about most movies. I can talk about them until I'm blue in the face. This one is really tough to talk about without spoiling, and we don't spoil stuff on the show, so um, I'm sure, you know, people who are close with me will ask questions and things like that. And I'll share those with you. But all I can say is this movie has a couple twists in it. Um, it kind of starts with the gentleman going with the group of guys going out on the boat. And at that point you're thinking, okay, this is a different story. This is a story about longing and sadness and depression. And, uh, you know, she's her The love of her life has went away and she doesn't know where he's at and, or what's going on. So now we're going to see her kind of come full tilt. It's going to be a character study. And that's not what it is at all. It it turns into something else and that I can't or talk about. It's both things. Well, it, it is still a character study because her character does have a full arc. There is no doubt about it. She comes around and you are, I think for the most part, caught up in Ada's story. I think her story is very strong. Yes. Um, I liked the actress quite a bit. I thought she was really good. She was really good. She and I think that Maddie Diop used a lot of uh, non-actors, and certain directors have a really good knack for doing that. Chloe Zhao does it with her early films. Yeah, Sean is it Sean Baker? Yes, Sean Baker, and you know it looks like Maddie Diop because uh, Ada Mame Benetta Sane again. Forgive the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Forgive us uh, yes. inadvertent butchering. <laughs> She elicits, she sort of elicits this young woman. She she emotes a lot without, with very little dialogue. Her, she has a very expressive face. And um, I think the direction she gets from Diop is, yeah. is very assured and very wise to not, less is more. Yeah. Right? And I think that sort of speaks to the film itself because a lot of things are internalized and there's, 
and and that was one of the reasons I wanted to choose a female filmmaker this week was just because I think sometimes the approach not to paint gender with a broad brush, but I feel like there's a quiet longing and yearning and a certain stoicism that comes from uh, females. And it, at this juncture in uh, society in, in Senegal, um, there's a certain, like I said, a quiet stoicism or a you know, quiet longing that, that is illustrated through the direction of the film yeah you know now that i think about it we're sitting here talking about it it does kind of remind me a little bit of no bad land the uh film that won best picture last year well that's why i said chloe Zhao. yeah yeah she, it does because yeah, rem- you say her name and then of course i'm sitting here thinking about these things and that is a meditative film to, you know meditative film as well and it's very much it's, it's a got a character arc to it as well right so oh yeah and it's about a strong quiet um uh, proud proud woman that just wants to move forward with her life wherever that might take her and in a lot of ways that's what the ada character is like in this she kind of starts out as this you think kind of when you first meet her she's kind of like this teen girl well maybe not teen but certainly young adult girl yeah and you think okay she's in love with this boy and everything else you don't know anything about this arranged marriage story and stuff this stuff comes up later and she seems like a bit of a i don't know for lack of a better word she seems like kind of a a wet noodle. I mean, she's kind of just like hanging about. There's something going on there. She's in love with Solomon, but you know, we don't really know the real story behind all that and stuff. And so it's it's all kind of there. But then once she has that loss that that her boyfriend has went away, this sense of uh, loss because she feels like he has left. He has left her. Now, obviously, he he could be trying to get her to come with him at some point and make a life for themselves. But she doesn't see it that way. She's young. She just thinks he's gone. And now she's got to deal with this other business. She's got to deal with her character gets incredibly strong very quickly. And there's the detective character that comes into the film. Um, he's good too. He's really good in the film and he's got this kind of mysterious illness. We don't know what's going on again. I'm not going to give it away anything, but we kind of find out some things about that, but that's a good performance as well, because now we got these two young people, who are trying to find their way in this society that really is up against them. And I mean, it's really, it's a tough, tough young life. It's a tough, I mean, he's got a quote unquote successful career potentially, but it's tough. It's a tough life. And, uh, you have these two characters kind of interacting and you got this third element to the story, which we can't talk about. And it just, it kind of moves along and I can't really explain the movie to you much more without giving away everything, except that it left me with a profound sense of a profound sense of it's it's longing is the best word I can think. It, it left mm-hmm. me with a a sense of maybe mourning a little bit, yeah, maybe longing, certainly melancholy. But also some level of optimism, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a complicated movie in that way. It's it's. I mean, this is not the kind of movie you throw on when you got a bunch of people over drinking beer. This is not no, that movie. <laughs> you'll you'll lose it. You will tune out. It will. You'll disengage very quickly. I think this yeah. is one that you need to watch quietly. You need to put your phone down. Yeah. Yeah, and really allow it to wash over because there, there is a lyricism and a poet quiet poetry to this film that. Only works if you allow it to just kind of envelop you from the first moment until it ends. Yeah, 
uh, the only other things I'll say about it, I'll kick it over to you, is the score is really nice. Will and I kind of talked about that off the air. Uh, I want to give a mention to that as well. The score is really good. Uh, it's not got anything you'll hum, but, I mean, it's very haunting, and it seems like they picked the right times. I mean, it's a really good job by Matty Diop and the composers. They really use the music effectively throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And I would, in some ways, put this into a kind of folk horror set. Uh, I think that's an interesting... Uh... Yeah, I, th- I think there's something there. Uh, I don't know enough to know. But I think the film is worth looking at. And if you have Netflix, you can. It's on It's on there. Uh, and I think it's worth looking at. But obviously, I know some of our listeners are not into the kind of slow, lyric, lyrical, poeticism type of film. So if you know you're not that person, you're probably not going to get anything of it, out of it. But if you're open-minded enough, I think you'll get some rewards from this one. Because I've, I, found it, I found it a pretty profound experience. It was pretty, it was pretty, pretty solid. Can I, and I don't want to spoil this, but you know what this, in a weird way, what I feel like this is like a a riff on in some ways what? is, hopefully this doesn't spoil it. Well, hang on. Let me, uh, hang on. Ow. So I'm going to try to tread lightly, but I couldn't help, and I was really struck by this. I couldn't help but think of John Carpenter's The Fog. And I don't want to go uh, any deeper than that on some of the themes and yeah, yeah. the through lines, but it just, I was really struck with that. And ironically, and I'm going to give a big shout out to Fatma Al Qadiri, the female composer. Let's hear it for the girl. Yeah. Uh, the female composer of this film, who also I feel like with her synthy, kind of uh, very mournful, kind of synthy score, is in a way channeling early Carpenter as well. It's really interesting take. I got to say, um, didn't think about it at the time. Now it's all I can think about. Uh, yeah. very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I can't, obviously I can't elaborate, but, no, uh, sure. I like that take. I like it a lot. I, okay, cool. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, man. Yes. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just roll in a few things with <laughs> with this one. So Matty Diop, yeah, I mean, very assured uh, film. Uh, full disclosure, I just felt like I wanted to pick. You know, we talked about this off the air, right? Sometimes when we we sit back and reflect on things we pick, it's easy to always pick comfort food films. And while both of us were very enticed to see this film. I just felt like I wanted to force my own hand a little bit. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. The question becomes, would we have ever watched this? I always meant, man, I meant to so bad. And yeah. same with you. It was just like, I got to see this. This sounds amazing. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to force my own hand here because it's easy to pick, you know, Franco Nero every week or, yeah. or would we watch enter the dragon for the 600th time? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's like, no, you know what? Let's, um, let's, pick something that is going to be outside of our box, but still in our wheelhouse. And even though it's a minimal film and I did wrestle a bit with, with taking down notes, I felt like it would lend itself to some good conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely wrestled with notes. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. It was no, but I, but again, I just, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. And I can take a picture of it and show you, I had forgotten I'd taken this note because I was getting a little tired watching this. Not, um, not because the film, but I'm getting older and I didn't want to drink a coffee at 10 o'clock at night and then watch it. So 
but one of my notes was has a folklore quality to it. Yeah. Right. So you, yeah. you kind of mentioned that. So it's interesting. I'd forgotten. I'd taken that note. Um, but yeah, Maddie Diop, uh, unique voice. And I, you know, one of the things I love about film is seeing parts of the world and, and faces and, and situations that I wouldn't see otherwise. It's like, I'm just plopped somewhere that is so alien to me. Uh-huh. And it's just fascinating to kind of try to gain my footing and understand what's happening culturally and, and thematically and how themes um, coexist with cultural differences, right? Yeah, yeah. And generational differences. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 part of the fun of doing these movies. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is not a slam-bang action horror film nope. or something like that, but no. I do like that movies can transport us to other places. I mean, will I ever visit Senegal? Uh, highly unlikely, but who knows? But at least I have this film in some way to look at that. And I, I think she shoots it in a loving way. She shows the danger of Senegal, but she also shows the beauty of Senegal. That's, you know, Diop does such a great job with the people she's put, uh, in, in the film from a behind the camera, uh, notion as well as in front of the camera. Again, a lot of non-actors, Fatma Al-Kadiri, the, the composer, um, the DOP does a tremendous job on this. Like this film is so well shot. It's beautiful. The colors are beautiful. There's a yeah, lot of yeah. corals and pinks and blues. Um, people are kind of bathed in, in different colors, which, which lends itself sort of a supernatural feel that again, a female DOP, Claire Mathon, she's French. You know what she shot? She shot portrait of a lady on fire and stranger by the lake, which both of us are big fans of. Well, yeah, I haven't seen Portrait of a Lady. I've heard uh, a lot of people told me to check that movie out. I, I have not Spencer? had a chance. Uh, no, or Portrait. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Same. I've always meant to see Portrait. Yeah, I'm a Dynasty Spencer because I'm a big uh, Lorraine fan. Yeah, people. But both of us love Stranger by the Lake. Oh, Stranger by the Lake's amazing. I mean, that's one oh, that yeah. uh, you know, rather sooner than later, I'd love to cover on the show at some point. We should. We got to make sure our kids are not in the room. Sure. Yeah. When we watch that's... it, and possibly when we talk about it. I mean, it's definitely adult fare, but it's yes. uh, yeah. It's a great kind of well. I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. <laughs> but but again, flowers to that DOP. She is incredible. Or she shoots this film incredibly. Um, but yeah, the film, the, like this tower in this film, it just really feels very alien to me. And I think it evokes another universe in the perspective of the the disparity between the classes. I mean, this is even more yeah, of a distinct yeah. divide than we normally see in 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 class divides, right? Yeah, I mean, this building, you know, I don't know if it's really there or not in Senegal. It looks so out of, it looks just completely alien. So alien. Like H.R. Yeah. Giger dropped a, a big turd in the middle of the city or something. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's so <laughs> futuristic, so alien looking. Um, not even just the, the composition for the film, but I love some of the, the, the ambient noises like just you constantly feel like you're enveloped by the crash of the waves and oh, yeah. you feel kind of the immediacy yeah. of the water. I got to tell you, man, this film shares quite a few similarities with sundown that Tim Roth film I watched. Oh man. Uh, in that it's dealing with water and uh, some things like that. So that's interesting too. I just, it just kind of crossed my mind that I watched two films where these kind of the lull of the waves are kind of always there. Yep. Uh, it's very interesting now that I think about it. I don't know if that's what caused me to hit play on Sundown or if I don't think that was it. But, you know, sometimes you wonder. 
But yeah, man, this, uh, yeah, I, I, well, and the fog too, now that you bring it up, because water is such an important part of the fog. Yep. yep. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It really is. No, totally. Uh, I had touched on this sort of the silent suffering and longing in this film is palpable. Uh-huh. Um, there's just, there's this frustration at your lot in life and fate and circumstance. Yeah. Uh, and it's just palpable. It's, it's really it is. strong. It is. Uh, the film talks on, like I said, generational clashes um, uh, in a way that doesn't come across heavy handed, but just kind of matter of fact, and it just gets on with it. Interesting, interesting film. Diop straddles the line between this neo-realist sort of social commentary and then it becomes something it shifts almost before her eyes. Well, before our eyes, not almost before our eyes. This thing shifts into <laughs> yeah. other territory where it's like, wait a second. What, whoa. And I'm like you where I was. I mean, yeah. my jaw dropped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a 90 degree. It's it's wow. It's a sharp right turn. Yeah. It, it just it. Yeah. It, it's really jaw dropping. Um, it, it's and, such a sharp right turn that I thought she's not going to recover from this. This this yeah. this is either going to go. This movie's going to go down the toilet, or it's going to work out. But I have no idea what she's going for right now. Yeah, it really and it and the thing is, like, it's like a magician. Like they're showing you the magic trick, and you're still like, wow. Like, yeah, it's one of those moments where I knew you hadn't watched it yet, but I almost text you, and I'm like, whoa, something about this. <laughs> I almost text you, and I was like, man, something. <laughs> have you seen this yet? <laughs> because I don't know what I'm watching right now. I know it's crazy. Just a couple more things for me. Uh, I, there's some really beautiful and the script I will say, I think is like the weakest link um, of the film, but it, you know, it still works well, uh, yeah. but I feel like the, yeah. this, this, the cinematography and the score and the direction are all great. Whereas the, the script is merely sort of solid. Um, yeah. but there's some really beautiful poetry at the back end, especially in the context. Like my, my reading is a cold reading. It's not going to do it much justice, but one of the lines that uh, is said when I say, you know, all I saw was your eyes and your tears, your weeping, pulling me to shore. Um, just really in the moment, it was just like, man, this is, this is really, really profoundly moving, uh, yeah. really good stuff. Uh, and I just want to finish with something out of left field. The, the commissioner in this looked sort of like Delroy Lindo. <laughs> little bit <laughs> he did a little bit yes yes he did a little bit yeah, yeah. so i mean anyway. I, i'm not i'm not gonna lie to you this movie those that, those guys were fine but this movie could have used a little delroy lindo i think uh god bless him I, I yeah i love him uh i i think if you know you bring back that script and stuff as much as i enjoyed this experience and stuff i don't know if the word I, this always sounds like an insult but i promise you it's not i don't know if it's i don't know if it's an entertaining film i don't know if it's, it's not yeah, I don't. I think it's a thought-provoking film. I don't think it's. Yes. I don't think it's entertaining, so to speak. So uh, again, tread lightly. Uh, those who are listening and thinking about watching it, so you know who you yeah. are. You, those, those of you who like these kinds of things, you know who you are. That's right. Um, all right, uh, make a break for me. Uh, it's the scene that happens fifty minutes in because mm-hmm. you can't have a more make or break scene in a film. <laughs> Than this make it break. I mean, this is this is the hardest. I mean, this is the right turn Clyde moment of the <laughs> of the film. And like I said, I almost either called Will or texted him. I was like, but then I looked and to see if he had checked in and watched this yet. And I was like, he hasn't watched it, so I'm not going to say anything because I'm, he's going to be as stunned by this as I am. 
Um, I know I might be overselling it for some of you guys listening right now, but I promise you, you will not see this plot twist coming. <laughs> I yeah. promise you, you will not. I promise. If you do, then wow, you're really on top of things. But uh, man, I did not see it coming. Nope. Uh, it changes the whole movie. The movie completely changes after that. And oh, yeah. uh, uh, probably for the better. It becomes a much more interesting story. Yes. And we get some more inner struggle and we see other characters struggling. And it's very interesting. Uh, MVT's uh, Diop. Uh, I like all the actors in the film, though. I mean, they're all good for, I don't know how much acting they've done, but uh, they're all really good. Ada, especially, that actress, she's really good. She's really good. And, some of and her Suleiman. F- Suleiman was good. I yeah, Suleiman was good. He's wait, unfortunately, yeah, he wasn't in the film a whole lot. But it's funny. You know, I watched Last Night in Soho as well, and they do the same thing in Last Night in Soho with the mirror thing. That's yep. all I'm going to say. And I'm just now catching on to the fact that I watched two films outside of this film that share similarities with this film. That is messed up. Uh, wow, that's totally weird. I, I mean, I, like I'm blowing my own mind over here, man. Uh, I want to give this film an eight, but I feel like it's more like a seven point five mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't know how rewatchable it is uh, yeah, for me fair. personally. Would I watch it again? Yes. Uh, would I watch it again right now? No, it's going to stick with me for a long time. Uh, it's that kind of movie. It's got some great scenes in it and stuff. Uh, it's got that hard right turn. Uh, it's got some imagery that is truly kind of, it's pretty spooky stuff. I, I really liked it a lot. I'm gonna go 7.75, go right in the middle of those two scores. It could be an eight though on a rewatch. I think it's a really solid feature film debut. And it really has, you know, it's put Maddie Diop on my on my radar, right? So mm-hmm. let's see what she does next because this is a pretty strong first film, I got to say. And uh, I can it's see why patient. I want Yeah, very patient, very much a uh, mature film. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't deal with things in a adolescent way. It deals with things in a very grown-up way. Uh, and I, I appreciated that. So, yeah, 7.75. Excellent. Well, we're pretty much pretty much in lockstep here. Well, no, we are in lockstep. We are in lockstep. Uh, the 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 film shifts into something and adds layers and adds a very emotionally haunting uh, quality that works wonderfully and adds a, a certain depth to the film. And and it emotionally, it it just adds emotionally to the film, which it could have been just a pulpy schlocky like you said this is a real make or break moment you bungle this and this film falls off a cliff (laughs) yeah it really does and you know falls into the ocean (laughs) and it is handled really well uh my mvt is maddie diop kudos to her she brings a very assured hand very steady quiet patient hand to a film uh, with this. And I also will be breaking to see what she does next. My score is exactly the same as yours. It's a 7.75. I'd like to give it an eight. I don't feel it's quite, quite, quite. The eight is like incredible. Uh, if I was going to make a first time uh, watch list, this would probably, probably be at the you know back end of that list. I'd like to try to squeeze it in just to rep for her. And just because it's such a unique film, I'm glad that, and I want to mention this, kudos to Netflix. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. and I've mentioned this a few times now, I feel I feel like Netflix 
has gone to lengths to allow artists to make films and to acquire films by artists. And not to say they don't have a lot of other stuff too, and that's fine. There's room for both, and that's the great thing about it. But kudos to them for having this, because I feel like this might be the first film we've ever covered. Not ever, but maybe ever that we've covered from Netflix, no? As weird uh, as that may be to say? It might be. It might Isn't be. That weird? And yeah. it's and it's and it's a film from Senegal. A yeah. darling yeah. from Cannes three years ago. Yeah. I I'm trying to rack my brain. I, I don't know that I can think of anymore. I don't know nope. that I can think of anymore. No, so good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good for them. I mean, I know they're kind of looked upon now as this, you know, this kind of big conglomerate, this kind of big and and, and there is a whole lot of there's a whole lot of stuff on there. But I mean, they've picked up things like Roma. They, uh, they did. They financed. Yeah. Scors- they you know they financed Scorsese's uh, The Irishman, which I liked a lot. It had its flaws, but I liked it a lot. Uh, you know, they worked on the Lost Orson Welles films. I mean, they're trying to do things, and they're putting money back into it. I hope that they look into film preservation and stuff. I hope everything isn't going to be content for them, and that they're hanging on to some of these things. But some of their films are getting released on Criterion. This one. Uh, it's got a Criterion disc as well, I believe, or it's going to have yeah. one. They've had a few that have, and mm-hmm. like I said, I I want to give credit where it's due. As much as people want to bemoan Netflix for being the evil empire, or they do give money to artists and allow them a platform that a lot of studios are not. Yeah, I mean these streaming companies are really where the artists are going now. It's it's unfortunate, but it's true. I mean Scorsese's making his next movie at Apple. Uh, people are making stuff for Prime. Prime picks up a lot of small films too. Mm-hmm. I saw. Uh, St. Maud through uh, Prime. Uh, there was something else I saw through Prime. But the, I mean, Akota, which is nominated for Best Picture, that's an Apple movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy the, how much it's changed. The, you know, the studios, they're taking less and less risk, and the streaming services are taking the risk right now. That's right. So that's just the way it is. All right, that's the big show. Uh, next week, we're going to have some fun. I decided, I knew after watching this week, I knew we'd probably get into some profound kind of serious talk and everything else. So I thought, let's let's take it back a little bit, baby. Let's, uh, you know, we like to kind of go back and forth as much as we can, but we like to entertain ourselves as well. So I, there's one that I had not seen. I've seen this film a handful of times, but I have not seen it probably since the mid-90s. And I thought, well, we've t- kind of talked about it before. But it just seems like a GGTMC movie. If the, if you if you if you think about the movie, it just seems like a movie we would talk about. And I wanted to do it a while back, but I just couldn't ever get around to it. So I was like, you know what? We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. So we're gonna be talking about 1993's Judgment Night. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, Stephen Dorff. And the reason why this came up is because of Old Henry. Uh, for me. Uh, not only that I wanted to see it, but I was like, Stephen Dorff, and I'm kind of looking through his filmography, and I'm like, oh, Judgment Night. And so we got Emilio S. V. Stephen Dorff, Kuba Gooding Jr., Jeremy Piven, Dennis Leary, Everlast. And we also got uh, directed by Stephen Hopkins, who for a red hot minute was uh, a big deal in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. If you remember, he did Nightmare on Elm Street 5, and then he did Predator 2, Judgment Night, Blown Away, Ghost in the Darkness, Lost in Space, a few other things. And then he just kind of, he's in TV world now. Where so many directors end up, some fun sometimes. Sadly, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, he had a red hot moment. I think a Jamaican filmmaker. So you know, we do a lot of Jamaican. Very cool. No, yeah. we don't. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun to kind of revisit that. I know you've seen the film before. I've seen it before. Oh, yeah. But it's been a long time for me. So I'm I'm looking forward to revisiting this. It's it's 
probably in a lot of ways the definition of a gentleman's cat midnight cinema movie <laughs> i'm very curious how this is gonna age and soma that, soma that soundtrack yeah well i i have a fondness for that stuff regardless yeah. but I know it won't. I love I, the soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I did too. I, I don't know how the. Uh, I don't know how it would age. I'm going to be listening to it this week to kind of see if I can get into it and stuff. Um, but I am interested in the filmmaking, and I'm definitely interested in, in revisiting this. I remember. Well, we'll talk about it next week. We're, we're giving away too much. <laughs> Got to leave them with a little taste, baby. That's right. All right. Uh, we will talk to you guys again next week, and I will say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 